0: I titled the message this evening, A Psalm for All of Us. A psalm for all of us, for every single one of us. Because this psalm demonstrates. It demonstrates us in a a number of situations and it demonstrates God in all kinds of actions. In Psalm 107, the, the psalmist opens up in verses 1 through 3, and then, just to give you a snapshot before we read it and before we kind of dissect it a little bit, he opens up in verses 1 through 3 and he closes in verse 43, but in the middle of that section, so verse 4 down through really verse 42, there are four episodes or four examples that you and I find ourselves in. We, we have found ourselves in those situations or examples, or we will find ourselves in those situations or examples. So it's a psalm for all of us, and how God acts in those episodes. So I'm going to read the verses for us, and then we will walk through it t- together. The psalmist states these words, O give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east, from the west, from the north, from the south. Some wondered, Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry, thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and and He delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love." For his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Second example, verse 10. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. And they had rebelled against the words of God, spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed them, He bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the shadow of death, and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of men. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts into the bars of iron. Third example. Some were fools through their sinful ways. And because of their iniquities, they suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food. They drew near to the gates of death. And they cried to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love and His wondrous works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of His deeds in songs of joy. Fourth example. Some went down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, His wondrous works in the deep. For He commanded and raised the stormy wind. He lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They, they went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still; the waves of the sea they were hushed. And they were glad in the waters when the water that the waters were quiet. He brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Verse 33 down through verse 42 speaks of a number of things that God does. Listen. He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into a thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. He turns a desert into pools of water a parched land into springs of water. And there He lets the hungry dwell. and They establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and a great and fruitful yield. By His blessing, they multiply greatly and He does not let their livestock diminish. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, He pours contempt on princes and makes them wander and trackles ways. But he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad and all wickedness shuts its mouth. And he closes out with these words. A challenge for you and for me. He closes out with these words. Whoever is wise, whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. So let's talk for a few moments. Shakespeare, said this, how sharper than a serpent's tooth it is to have a thankless child. Moms and dads, I don't know about you, but maybe you have found yourself away from from the house for a while, maybe you've gone on a trip, I've done it a number of times, maybe it's been a couple of weeks across the sea, and you come back, and all the kid wants is whatever you brought them from your trip. And part of it's my fault, I get it, for those that live at 34 Tanner Cove, the problem is that every time I might go away, every time I bring a gift, and that's what they were expecting, and so therefore, that's what they were wanting. But what I really, really, really don't like is when I would bring something back and said child, won't say if it's the boy or the girl, it's the girl, would, that slipped. When I brought something back, it wouldn't be what she liked and therefore she just pushed it aside. There is nothing worse, Shakespeare states than a thankless child. Every person in the room this evening is a child. Every person in the room this evening is a child. And for those of us who have accepted Christ as Savior and Lord, we are a spiritual child to our Heavenly Father. And in that statement from Shakespeare, let me add one more to it. The poet Milton... Stated this, a person with an ungrateful spirit only has one vice. Because all the rest of his or her vices are virtues compared to ingratitude. They are virtues. All the other vices are virtues compared to ingratitude. Every other sin is a virtue compared to the sin of ingratitude. So spiritually speaking, before we walk through it, are you thankful for what God's done? Are you thankful for what He has done for you? And if you are thankful, does it show In how you live Wednesday out, or Friday out, or any other day out? Does it show in the the conversations that you have? Does it show in the facial expressions that you have? The psalmist lays out for us this evening in Psalm 107, four examples for us, to think about and see if we're grateful. Without further ado, let's move on. Verses 1 through 3. Let's look at the introduction. The first fill in the blank for us is this, that God is always a good place to start. God is always a good place to start. The psalmist says, oh, give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. The word thanks there, in the biblical usage, the response is the response due to God from His people. There are specific grounds for thanksgiving. And this psalmist brings out a couple of those. You and I are to give thanks to him because of who he is. He is God. You and I are to give thanks to him because of what he's done. One of his attributes is that he is good. And that his steadfast love endures forever. When's the last time that you went to your father and just thanked him? You went to your father and you just thanked him. You thanked him for who he is. He's going to respond to these episodes or these examples in four different ways. But in every one of the ways that he responds, it is one of his attributes or one of the characteristics of who he is to show you and me another reason why we should be thankful. But don't be like Shakespeare's example or Milton's example of a child, a son, or a daughter who has no gratitude. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Over and over again, God shows us aspects of His love. Steadfast love. Loving kindness. Eternal aspects of his love are being shown in these verses. Let's look at the first example. Verse 4 down through verse number 9. Some wandered in desert waste, finding no way to a city to dwell in. They were hungry and thirsty. Soul fainted within them. They cried to the Lord and in their trouble, he delivered them from, his, from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to, a, uh, to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things." For the most part, today, most of us, I would say, want to live outside the city. There's some of us that want to see and we want to be a part of the craze. We want to be a part of the hustle and bustle. We want to be in the, the center of the city. But for the most part, we would rather live outside the city. Maybe we have to go into the city for work. Maybe we have to go into the city for some different needs but we want to be outside the city. And we can do that because there's safety outside our city, but not in those days. If you wanted to have a family, you had to be inside the city. If you wanted to have a family, you had to be inside the security of the wall. So therefore, they would go into cities so they would be safe. And these are wandering in desert places. These don't have a home, and they are searching for security. They are searching for safety. And he wraps them up, takes them inside the city, feeds them, gives them security, gives them safety. He's acting as a father to these for their safety and their good. Has God ever acted like a father to you? Has God ever shown safety and protection, security for you? If that has happened, do you see the answer that is given there in verse number 8 and verse number 9? Let them, you and I, thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies this longing soul. What are they longing for? Safety, security, protection. They're longing for a family. He satisfies this longing soul, the hungry soul he fills with good things. He's acted as a father towards you and he has. Give thanks. Thank him. Thank him today, thank him this week, thank him for acting as a father. But not only do we see that example, we see a second example. In these problems that are laid out for God to see, the first that these four examples are given, delivered some of them from wandering in the wilderness, they're looking for a city home, falling behind on my fill-in-the-blanks, I'm sorry. First fill-in-the-blank, somebody's going to come up at the end, I didn't get this one. First fill-in-the-blank was God is always a good place to start. Second fill-in-the-blank, that point there is the problems are laid out for God to see. They don't have a city. They don't have a home. That's the first problem. We just looked at that one. These are four examples of problems that are given He delivered some from wandering in the wilderness looking for a city home. Second, verse number 10. He delivered some from prison cells and freed them from bars. We read verse 10 down through verse 16. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death prisoners in affliction and in irons. For they had rebelled against the words of God. That's a key verse. They sat in darkness because they had rebelled against the words of God. And they spurned the counsel of the Most High. So He bowed their hearts. The literal Hebrew there is He crushed them. He crushed them with His words. He bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the shadow of death, and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love for his wondrous works to the children of man for he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two bars of iron first example was he responded as a father the second example here he responds as a king what does a king have king has authority what did they do this group of people some this group of people they were in darkness and the shadow of death they were prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God. He's king. And he says, hey, here's the edict that I have. You have to obey. And they chose not to. And when they chose not to obey, he said, okay, you're going to prison. You're in jail. You're in bars. Oh, Father, no, no, no. He's king, and because of this edict that has been placed, they are now cast into prison. But they cry out, and this king, this Lord, delivered them. I'm getting ahead of myself. I, I can't preach it now because then we don't have anywhere to end, so you've got to stay with me for a second. Let's go to example three. Some he delivered from wandering in the wilderness, some from prison cells. Third, some he delivered from sickness and brought them back to health. Read with me verse 17. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities, they suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them from their distress. He sent out His Word and healed them. He delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love and for His wondrous works to the children of men. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of His deeds in songs of joy." Not only does he respond as a father and a king, but here he responds as a friend. They had these needs, and he saw their needs, and he brought what they needed to them in their time of need. How did he describe them? Look back in verse 17. Some were fools. Some were fools. Through their sinful ways and because of their iniquities, they suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food. They drew near to the gates of death. They brought it on themselves. Think back with me for a little bit in your life. I'm not going to ask you to say it out loud. I'm not going to put you on that in that spot. But think back. Have you ever brought affliction on yourself because of a decision that you made? not somebody else, you made it, and you had to own up to it. You had to own up to it in in front of the mirror. You might have had to own up to it in other places, but ultimately, if you were going to get out of that spot, you had to come to this place. Yep, I brought it on myself. They had done that in such a way that they weren't, they they were just ready to give up. They were just going to shrivel up and die. They wouldn't eat any food. They were so sick at what spot that they found themselves in. They're just helpless. And here comes a friend. Maybe you brought the affliction on yourself and you were still stubborn in that that moment. And you had a good friend that come around you. And he or she said, "Uh, Brian, just want to let you know, you brought it on yourself. And maybe in that moment, you might have responded like I have in the past. Um, A good friend wouldn't do that. Oh, yeah, they would. A good friend's the only one who can do that. A good friend is the only one who will do that. For us to open our eyes and see, hey, here's the need. Hey, yes, that was a dumb decision. Yes, I brought those things on myself. In the midst of that affliction. And in the midst of those iniquities, they cried out to God and he delivered them. He sent out his word and healed them, delivered them from their destruction. So why don't we thank him for being a father? Why don't we thank him for being a king? Why don't we thank him for being a friend? But look at this fourth example. This fourth example, we see in verse 23 down through verse 32. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters, and they saw the deeds of the Lord, His wondrous works in the deep. For He commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea, and then they mounted all the way up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled, staggered like drunken men. They were at their wits' end. And they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. They delivered them from the distress. He made the storm be still. The waves of the sea, they were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet. He brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol Him in the congregation of the people and praise Him in the assembly of the elders. God comes not only as a father, a king, a friend, but he also comes as creator. Do you see what he does? He causes the wind, the stormy winds to, to rise up. He causes them to blow and the waves to just heap higher and higher. You and I have just witnessed from afar, you and I have just witnessed a hurricane hit this land. 21 years ago, I was leaving Mississippi and I was starting seminary in North Carolina. And as I took my truck from here to there and I was getting close to, uh, to Wake Forest where I was going to spend the next four years of my life, I started seeing fields just heaped up with rubbish. The closer I got to, to Raleigh, The closer I got to Wake Forest, the closer I got, and that was an hour and a half or so, possibly even two hours inland, the more fields I saw with rubbish. And it was the remnants of Floyd that had come through about three months before. About the same time of year. Floyd came through in 96. Florence came through in 2018. Total devastation. Who allowed it? Creator. The Creator allowed those things, those storms to happen, and in this segment, in this example, He causes those waves to go up, and those waves stop the evil plight of this people, and then He tells it, be still. And it's still. Have there ever been storms in your life? Storms that you thought for sure, oh, this one's going to take us out. Maybe it was going to take you out financially. Maybe it was going to take you out relationally. Man, there are storms that are just, man, they are just swirling in life. And then all of a sudden, it's quiet. How do you respond when he calms the storms in your life? How have you responded in the past? How should you and I respond when those come about? Not if they come about, when those come about. Some he delivered from storms and calmed the sea. We see the four problems. Let's look at one answer, third blank down at the bottom. There is one answer, it's shown for all the problems. The one answer is God. The one answer has been shown as Father, as King, as Friend, and as Creator. The one answer for all of your problems, all of your situations, all of our situations and problems is God. The psalmist understands it. He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water, verse 33 states, into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a sultry waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water. I don't know what comes to mind when you read that, but when I read that, Isaiah chapter 35 comes to mind. Isaiah chapter 35 in verses 5 down through the end of the chapter, verse 10, it has been stated as the highway of holiness, and it is just that in those verses that he has taken, God has taken, and Isaiah is seeing this. He has taken a parched land and made it a place of inhabited Pleasure, and at the same moment, he has taken those places where rivers and fruitful lands once were, and he's turned them into a desert. And there, he lets the hungry dwell. Verse thirty-six, and they est- segment. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield by his blessing. They multiply greatly and he does not let their livestock diminish. When they are diminished and brought low, sounds like the second segment, when that does happen through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless waste. But he raises up the needy out of affliction. And makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad. And all the wickedness shuts his mouth. Whoever is wise, let him attend to the, these things. Let them consider. Let them consider the steadfast love of God. Next 10 or 12 minutes, I want us to consider the love of God. Have you ever considered the love of God? Have you ever, I know you and I believe that he loves us. I know that you and I possibly even say, yep, I'm I'm thankful that he loves us. But have you ever stopped to consider the love of God? Listen to what Tim Keller states as he writes about this verse. The psalmist is saying, that we always have a tendency to reduce God. If you and I take just one of these examples, and, and I've done this before. I've done this. I've sat in a group, and, I, and I've asked the group, how do you see God? How do, how do you see Him? Do you see Him as, as dictator? Do you see him as father? Do you see him as friend? When you think, when if I were to say, hey, give me one description of God, how would you describe him? What would be the first thing that comes to your mind? The other night I was, uh, I was in Cenotopia and I was helping lead... One of our connect groups down there, and um, they didn't necessarily like me to be leading, especially in this moment, because I asked them a question, and the question had almost endless answers to it. There were 17 people in the room, and I was trying to get at least 17 answers out of them, and so I just asked them the question How does God speak in scripture? And one of them gave an answer, and then another one gave an answer, and all I would say is correct, and how else? And how else? And how else? And they got, Brian, can we not just move on? I was like, no, no, no. Let's consider how God speaks. Because if you just give the surface, if all we do is scratch the surface, and we never mind the depths, of how he speaks, you and I will miss when he speaks in times of trouble. And if you and I never consider the depth of his love in times of trouble, when the storms are just raging around you, you you won't respond knowing that God loves you. So take a moment and let's consider The love of God. I stopped and preached through the middle of this quote, so let me read the quote. The psalmist is saying that we always have a tendency to do this to reduce God. We have a tendency to think of Him as a friend. We have a tendency to think of Him as a lover, a creator, mainly, and not as a king as a sovereign. We don't like the idea of punishment, do we? We don't like the idea of hell. We don't like the idea of eternal punishment. We try to get rid of that. God is a lover. He is a friend. You and I I've stated it this way before. If you were to follow me when I go into the uh, grocery store, there are some areas of the grocery store that I am just going to push that cart as fast as I possibly can. Because I want to get to that section. I want to get to where there are cinnamon rolls. I want to get where there are watermelons. I want to get to this section where there is coffee so I can fill that basket with coffee, cinnamon rolls, and watermelon. I think I can make it on that. But then there are some segments of the grocery store that I know I need to get to. I just don't really want to go there. I don't want any of the greens. You know, I can give or take, yeah, whatever. Makes my plate look good, all different colors, but I really, that's not the direction I like to go. But I know I need it. So guess what? I steer my cart over to get some greens. Spiritually speaking, think about this. How often do you consider the wrath of God? How often do you just... Think about, here is God, the one who created all of us, and he deserves to punish every single one of us. Oh yeah, I know my cousin over there, he definitely deserves to punish him. He definitely deserves to punish my neighbor. Can you believe what she is doing or he is doing? But no, he deserves to punish me. I deserve his punishment. Do you think that you deserve his punishment? Without Christ, do we deserve His punishment? Yes, we deserve His punishment. Oh, but Brian, I'm, I'm a little better than that person. But you and I, neither one of us, are the standard. We're not as the standard is. And His standard is not my neighbor, He's not my cousin, He's not you, He's not me. The standard is Christ. So have you considered... The love of God. Let's go back to that second segment real quick. It is amazing to me. And I believe it is amazing to us in 2018 that the psalmist, hundreds of years, a thousand years, 1500 years maybe, even before Christ, Hundreds of years before Christ came penned these words. Some sat in darkness and some in the shadow of death. Prisoners in affliction and in irons. For they had rebelled against the words of God. They had spurned the counsel of the Most High. So He bowed their hearts. He crushed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord. They cried in their trouble and He delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love. For his wondrous works to the children of men, of man, for he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts into the bars of iron. Do you see the picture? Spiritually speaking, these people were in prison. Spiritually speaking, these people were dead to what put them there? What put them there? Their sin. Their transgression, their iniquity. Anybody got sins, transgressions, and iniquities? What did your sin, transgression, and iniquity, where did it put you? It put you in spiritual prison. There was no way for them to get out. There's no way for you to get out. In and of yourself. In and of themselves. Whose prison is it? Remember in this segment, he's king. Whose prison is it? His prison. Whose bars are he cutting? Whose bars? They're, they're his bars. Whose doors is he busting through? Excuse me, bursting through. Try to get grammatically correct. And theolo- theologically correct. Who is, whose doors is he bursting through? His doors. Do you see the picture? The only way that God, who is just, can remain just, the only way that the king can remain the king is to send someone himself to break down the doors of his prison. Who said, you must have no sin? God did. Who said, if you're going to come to me, It's got to be on my parameters. It's got to be my way. God did. Can you do it in and of yourself? No. God knowing that, knowing the trouble that you and I would be in, the prison that you and I would be in, with no way out outside of him, came and shattered his own doors, came and cut his own bars, to free you and to free me. Let the wise, let the wise attest to these things. Longview point, attest to these things. Even this great king has made a way for you and for me to come to him. Even this great king has freed us. Let them, the wise, consider the steadfast love of God. Maybe tonight is going to be a hectic evening. I get it. Maybe tomorrow is going to be a hectic day and even Friday. But over the next couple of days, may I leave you with this? Find a quiet spot and consider. Consider God's love towards you. Because He has loved you, He has loved me in such a way that even in our foolishness, even in the decisions that we made that put us in the place of need, He's made a way for you, and He's made a way for me.